Welcome back to Blue Ocean Talks. This week, we continue with our series about LLMs, large language modules, and how this may impact the security industry. So Avichai, we're going to continue off from where we stopped last time. This maybe just give an overview, like a very, maybe a minute overview of where we were. During our last uh, episode, basically, we tried to cover a little bit of the basics around uh, large language models and the difference between um, large language models and the machine learning that we know of today uh, that's more that's used more often uh, in different products that we see in the market. And after talking a little bit about the value that it could bring to facility security technology, now let's try and talk a little bit about how it could integrate with the security systems by design, let's say. And then maybe try and bring a few use cases, a few features that exist in security products that the large language models could really come in place and improve it in a way that's uh, very significant. Okay. So just to begin with at a high level, I think we have identified a few areas where there may be impacts or where security can use these LLMs. So on one hand, it's and what we're already seeing today in many ways is the kind of the analytics side of the business. But we're also wondering like where else can it have an impact? And one area that we're looking at uh, is possibly like on the either on the service side, like how it will help with services or even help with design, like actually designing security and that and help with that part of the business. At a high level, is there anything else that we think that this can possibly have a um, an impact or touch security? Yeah, I think in general, the way the way to look at it at this point in time, because it's not so mature, right? It's not like it's uh, already all over the security products. Um, so just to create some curiosity with our listeners, I would say to try and take different scenarios that you have in your security systems where there's a set of data that's created in a format, for example, video or text or just alerts that are basic, uh, let's say, uh, framed data, and try and take all of those pieces and say, okay, from video, I want to eventually create some kind of text. Or from a combination of video and the text, I want to create an automation that will take action at my facility. If it's a lockdown, if it's uh, to turn off electricity, if it's um, to alert my supervisors, anything like that. If we think about where are those points, I would say that when we talk about something such as predictive modeling, where you're basically able to use the data that you have right now to identify something that didn't happen yet, that is something that today is very hard to achieve. But with this kind of structure of large language models, the system would be able to, I'm saying guess, but it's like a... Uh, like anticipate. You know, a or... and, and to anticipate what would happen in your facility. Obviously, it's not 100%, right. but it will learn your environment as it grows, as it makes mistakes even. And then eventually become more accurate. And based on the data that it has. 
and it's all based on the data that it has exactly. So that's the point, right? So, so hold on. If we just, talk, yeah. just let me stop you there. So for example, whatever Bridge has today, how close are they to that? Because I know they're using analytics and they're using data, but I don't think they're actually using LMMs yet in their so like, under I think, the hood. I think that's what, what's interesting about companies such as Everbridge is that you could take the architecture that they've built around their product, where it's a product that the purpose is to leverage data that comes from different systems to create insights. And, and that's their goal. So they try and take all that data and create information and knowledge for your company that will save you time, create more visibility, help you react faster and better to any situation that is a risk in your in your assessment. Mm. So I think that they are very close to being like the the first to create some kind of features that involve this kind of mechanism. Meaning take the whole setup that they have and add to it a little tiny engine called LLM and start tunneling data to go through it and to come back to the interface. And that way, all of a sudden, a user has some kind of LLM insights. I wonder, have we seen any other companies start yeah. you know, doing with this? Because Everbridge is kind of strong in the market and a lot of multinationals are using them. But with this new technology, I must assume that there'll be some new sort of upstarts coming on the market soon. Yeah. So first of all, when we talk about like software as a service outside of security industry, we could see the big players like um, Salesforce, Google, Microsoft, they are building that kind of concept. If you take Microsoft, for example, they kind of gave up a setup that they've been working on regarding AI and they built, they took this new engine that's ChatGPT based, OpenAI based, mm. and they put that engine in their environment. So now when we are working on Office 365 and Microsoft Teams and all the other applications under Office 365, that engine is receiving data and taking out and creating knowledge. Now, we might not be consuming it because it costs money, because there's a licensing or whatever, but on the back end, Office 365, Microsoft is doing that work. Same with Salesforce. Salesforce is doing that work to create a use a support for any executors on Salesforce. But what's interesting is that Salesforce also offers the option to create your own module of LLM, meaning that you buy a specific license and setup, and then your data, and it doesn't have to be only your data from Salesforce, it could be data from other systems that you could tunnel it all through that engine to create those insights for your company. When and when are we going to be able to play with that a little bit within our company? So now I'm going so the next step, those are the bigger players, right? The the pioneers in this, the ones that have the billions of dollars to invest in such technology. Now go to more sensitive industries, but they are also uh, enterprises that need to be innovative. Take the banks, take pharmaceuticals, take the the hospitals, all these areas that they have a large set of data and they have the financials, but they have a whole different uh, issue where it's the sensitivity of the data that it's way more sensitive than 
anyone else. Take the obviously the militaries in the world and stuff like that. And you get to a whole situation where everyone's trying to understand how could they take that piece of engine that we're talking about and put it in their data flow and utilize it for themselves. Now, for if we go down back to the security industry, this goes down in the end of the day to who are the pioneers, who are the ones that have money and they invest in innovation. Those are the ones that are going to start doing this. That is a big question because as we know with our industry, the way the industry works is more need basis development, meaning we see in the market the we see in the market COVID. So all the security facility access control security systems have built COVID related features. We see uh, video analytics that are created based on needs. If there's a lot of shoplifting, we create alert for that. If we have uh, people counting or space between people with COVID, video analytics features have been created to accommodate that. Mm. To say that that they are ready to start developing and investing in, in such technology, I would probably say they're not there yet. Who will be the first ones? I don't know. I believe that some, some of them that have more of a innovative mentality but might not be so well known in the market or maybe not implemented in the market yet. Okay. So bringing this back to security, we have one point here that we talked about is um, the integration with facility security and I think facility management as a, as a whole. Would you agree that as we're seeing more integration here and more use cases around LLMs that this will actually bring the whole building management, including security, including facilities management, a little bit closer to each other? Yeah, that's that's a great point. I think that it creates even more tension than what we've felt in the last few years. Hmm. The thing is, is that the competition here is around data and budget. I want to use all the data I could I could get hold of. So that means anything coming from any systems around the building could help me create better visibility for my security needs. And any way that I could try and get this budget from my superiors to say, okay, let me invest a few million dollars in building this feature that you won't see the return on the investment, the ROI right away. It will take a while. So this is a little bit of politics, I believe. What do you well, think about that? So interestingly enough, um, we were sponsoring a conference a couple of weeks ago about security technology and and the impact on the... Um, corporate users. This was in Penang, Malaysia, and it was um, organized by ASIS Singapore and ASIS Malaysia. And one of the keynote speakers there was talking about or promoting the idea that he believes that large real estate companies like the CBREs of the world, for example, that they should be getting into the business of managing security, that they're already managing all these other parts of the building. And they're very big companies. They're everywhere in the world that why are they not doing that? And I was thinking about that. You know, it kind of makes sense. But for the last 25 years, I've always been asking myself the same kind of question. And at least in the past, whenever they do get involved in security, they either do it at the surface, don't go very deep. And for some reason, they just didn't build that kind of um, expertise. Maybe it was out of, out of design, out of their decisions, their strategy. But going forward, this might even bring that a little bit more close together. I mean, they have the data. They have the footprint. Why could they not acquire more of the expertise around you know, the security uh, expertise that they might need? 
that's a very good question. And I don't have an answer to that. I'll ask you another question about that. Let's say they do have that responsibility now in their hands and they received a million dollars to improve their setting on all the overall of their responsibilities. Where does security come in place? Is it first first priority or last priority? I think that also has some kind of rationale. That is a good point. And if it doesn't become a priority, then they will not have a good product to offer, at least to those clients that really care about their security. And the funny thing about security is that for companies that care about security, that they're, you know, they're concerned about their security and safeguarding their assets, they usually do not like outsource or delegate their security management. They might outsource elements of it, but you know, even when companies are building new facilities, they might outsource all the project management under a, under a main contractor. But for one reason or the other, they still decide their security themselves. Maybe the payment flow goes to the main contractor. And it seems like these companies, like the Seabury's of the world, they simply don't think security. Now, it doesn't mean they cannot do that or acquire those expertise, but they're thinking more around building management, uh, real estate deals, contracting, project management, and they don't, they've never gone deep into elements of the building. Now, maybe it's not just security. Maybe it's also like air conditioning systems, for example. Uh, so they're just focused on that on, on that one thing. So I don't see any movement there, but I think there's potential there if they wanted to grow, but I have not seen anything in the market yet. I think I think that we will hear a little bit more about uh, some kind of innovation around this for some security products, because I think that it also creates kind of a marketing edge as well, like put aside the functionality wise. This is something that everyone's talking about in, in different industries, even in politics and anywhere. Like this technology is a game changer, similar to when the internet was invented. It could, it could make a whole change in the, in the entire landscape of, of work and uh, workforce. I believe that there's a, a big uh, value of being part of that movement and leading it and not just like joining it when it's too late. But, but again, the cost is very high. So that, that's where that's the catch. Why is the cost high? You know, I keep on hearing about these, how easy it is to use like an open source LNM and it's very light. For ima- imagine a, secu- a typical security department, right? What type of personnel work under that department? What talent? Are those data scientists? Are those oh, people I, that have experience in, in coding, in uh, connections with APIs, networking, uh, data privacy? You know, like there's a there's a a large variety of knowledge that's required to have the right support to set something up that will uh, fit your needs, but will also scale because it's it's not from day one you'll get all those capabilities. You want to try and create something one small that gives you that value, and then you could build on top of it. So well, you have not to a security a build a whole team. Right, but not a security team. What about a small team of a few programmers or coders? Because I am hearing that it, it is possible that the barriers of entry are kind of low. What seems to be more of the problem is getting access to the right kind of data sets and good data sets to make it happen. That's what I've been hearing. 
Yeah, I think I think that if you have the right people and you have the budget for it, you could you could definitely execute. I think that there are two main er- ways to go with it. One is by using something that's like open and you could connect to in the internet, but that is basically putting your data out there versus buying an in-house capability that will be used only internally and no one will be able to get any benefit from the creature that you create using that large language model. So what about these open source modules? So so, ima- so imagine, uh, okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say um, there's there are these large language model systems that are like apps that you would write text and it will create an image, an artificial image. Have you ever tried such a thing? Uh, yeah, I've looked at it, yeah. Yeah, so imagine what you described and that picture that was created now it's published online. It's available to anyone. It's not that it's your private picture. So that's the cost of it. If I take now... But can't, but can't uh, you take a... Uh, isn't it possible to have access to an open source module and you take that and you hold that within your... you know, Inside your environment and train it with the data set that you have and yeah, everything but then, but for then that it purpose? Becomes, then, it becomes, then it becomes static, right? Like if it's not receiving data from different sources all the time like a live organism then eventually you're limited you won't enjoy the full set of what it could offer because imagine that they're updating all the time and and there are changes and there are companies entities people that are consuming it and making it better by consuming by adding questions by expressing if it was right or wrong adding data. So what are large companies going to do? They, obviously they're going to want to So they they this. have the they have the large set of data to say okay, I'm going private. I don't I don't want to have anything any of my data to be involved with the open kind of perspective and I'll do it in-house. I okay, have enough. So it's the, the problem so it's back to the problem that I mentioned. It's the access to and the ownership of the data set. Yeah. Look, and and if we go back to one of our key recommendations to anyone before we even start building a large language model is store data. That's something that we've been talking about for a while. Like the more data that you're able to store internally eventually will give you value. Even if now you're not querying it and you're not building insights based on all of that data, just try and gather the data. Try and uh, make sure that there are steps that you're going through that uh, you don't leave them undocumented. You document them in your systems. Well, things that, for example, in, like in our company, Blue Ocean, that I would like to see some sort of usage of these type of systems, possibly in the future, would be on like our customer service side of the business, like answering right. queries or answering, um, like managing service tickets. Etc., which seems to be relatively easy, but I could be wrong. I don't know that could... that is that is, I would say, a very low hanging fruit, right? Um, but today, but, but part of that would be where, for example, an engineer, say, meets a problem can ask a question like, Hey, I've I have this issue, any recommendations? and it spits out a recommendation to solve or troubleshoot 
a technical issue or to learn something right around the programming. That'd be a second part. A third part would be around like programming a system. Yeah. Like you literally let the bot just go and will pro- fully full off program a whole system and then a, a human would just come in and fine tune that possibly. The next element would be around actually doing a full design. Let's say you give it the PDF or the AutoCAD documents, the 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 layout of a of a uh, facility. You give certain parameters, and it gives you a full design with all the um, schematics and everything, which would be amazing. But that's even yeah. Don't tell don't tell everyone all our secrets, Ron. <laughs> no, but my yeah. question is the reason why I'm bringing this up, and I know we talked a lot about this offline as well. Is that look, I, we can't be the only ones thinking about this, right? Everybody's probably thinking about this. How do you get to that point, though? So I think it's all about like how do you value it? What's what benefit will it give you as a business, and how 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 could you do it? How efficient could you be in the execution of creating such a such a setup? Well, and I I believe that we do have uh, a good foundation, and hopefully we will do something like that in the nearby future. I don't want to say more than that, but that's that's where we're okay. aiming. Another kind of concern here. Well, maybe we're already been talking for 20 minutes. Maybe we should uh, save it for next time. But how do we find access to data sets, the right data sets? And how do we make sure or how do companies make sure they don't step on any sort of legal toes? You know, different countries are having issues around uh, uh, various various, uh, concerns, either privacy concerns or some countries even might consider certain things as national secrets. Know what a company? You think about companies like Everbridge when they're collecting data about, you know, weather and on the ground issues and, you know, uh, the history, uh, the crime history of a certain you know neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. Is that going to evolve? And what kind of what type of challenges they might be um, facing in the future is an interesting topic in itself. Yeah, uh, we could definitely elaborate about that. Uh, just to say that there are roles in place of people that that's their profession, like the chief information security officer is definitely a role that's becoming uh, more valuable. It's been valuable, but it's coming even more with with uh, this new uh, area that I, w- I want to say that kind of exists in his world of responsibility of him or she, the CISO is the person that needs to overlook all the data that um, that the company is sharing in systems between systems and analyze that um that it's really secure and for the vendors themselves there is a standard that they they have to uh obey to and um they need to be aware of those different standards and there's auditing penetration testing things that we could uh definitely uh talk more about that help us get that confidence Okay, well, why don't we stop here for now, and we will continue on this next time. I know we've been talking a little bit of you know jumping a different round here. It's such a fascinating topic, and so much is happening. But um, we will try to drill down on certain aspects and how we think about uh, this going forward. How does yeah, I would also say that if there's if anyone has any questions that came up from the last couple of episodes, feel free to reach out to us with those questions and we will try to answer them on our next episode of course and of course we're not experts in this field uh, we're really talking about this from the perspective of 
a security integrator working with customers around Asia Pacific and how we're observing this and monitoring the developments in the market. But again, this is very fascinating and I am looking forward to the future. These are interesting times. Indeed. Thank you.